United Soccer Coaches is proud to bring you the weekly United Soccer Coaches podcast, covering all aspects and all levels of the game we love. The United Soccer Coaches podcast is presented by Team Snap and hosted by veteran soccer announcer Dean Linky, the longtime television and podcast voice of the association. Now, here's Dean with this week's show. Dean Linky with you. Hope everybody had a safe 4th of July during these unprecedented times as we continue to try to make a difference in everything we do at United Soccer Coaches and everything we do with the United Soccer Coaches podcast. Another outstanding show. We kick off the show with arguably the greatest college coach, any sport, any gender of all time, Anson Dorrance, 44 years as the head coach of the UNC women's soccer team, 22 national championships. Those numbers are mind-boggling. Of course, he was the coach of the 91 U.S. women that won the world championship over in China. He has always been a strong ambassador for United Soccer Coaches, loves the association, and we love him right back. He is working on a special podcast right now called Vision of a Champion, geared around a book he wrote years ago with Gloria Averbush. I've had the great honor of working with him on this podcast with some big-time guests. Anson will talk about the Vision of a Champion podcast. He'll talk about NWSL and the Challenge Cup being back in action and he'll talk about leadership and the importance of leadership even leadership in Washington DC Anson Dorrance always ready for anything this pandemic has hurt a lot of us and it definitely hurt Jason O'Keefe. Here's a man who's been part of the association for years. He put in his time as an assistant coach for a long time in the college ranks. Five years ago, App State called. Of course, App State. Hank Steinbrecher was at App State one time. There's some history there, but they... We're struggling. He came in there. Last year, they won 11 games. They beat UNC Chapel Hill in Chapel Hill, a place where he was an assistant coach. The year before, they beat Coastal Carolina, a top 20 team. He had just signed a three-year contract. They had just put in a brand-new field. Yet, because of the pandemic, App State had to make cuts. And the men's soccer program, just like that at Cincinnati, was cut. He was on vacation when he got the news. Jason O'Keefe will be back coaching a D1 program and he will have success. He's on the program. Then we meet two more members of our 30 under 30 class, both of them big time coaches. Lindsay Hokinson, who was Dave Nolan's main assistant at Georgetown for years. Georgetown women's soccer is legit. She is now the head coach at Colgate in Hamilton, New York. We used to go to Colgate for the NSCAA game of the week on Fox Soccer. I love that place. And Lindsay is great. She's part of the 30 under 30 class. We meet her and we meet Duncan Gillis. That's our show presented by Team Snap. Let's hear from Team Snap right now. Managing your club or league shouldn't feel like a second job. With Team Snap, it doesn't have to. They help their customers save time and sanity on tasks such as communication, registration, scheduling, and more. Bring your club or league into the 21st century with Team Snap. Go to TeamSnap.com slash NSCAA1. I am Dean Linky, and as promised, I'm kicking off with the return guest, the guy who needs no introduction, but I love doing it anyway because He's coached 44 years at the University of North Carolina. He's won national championships half of that time, which is amazing. I call him the best collegiate coach, any sport, any gender, and I do it all the time. I also call him a legend because he is Anson Dorrance. Anson, thanks for kicking off the show. Dean, my pleasure, my friend, my pleasure. 
Well, and you and I are working together on an exciting project that people are starting to hear about. Hassan Pinto is putting the word out there. I'm putting the word out. You're putting the word out. You've written this great book with Gloria Averbush years ago called The Vision of a Champion, and we're going through chapter by chapter. I've read the book twice now as we're doing it. We've got special guests uniquely qualified for each specific chapter. Chapter one, we open with a pretty good player named Mia Hamm, and the guest list goes on and on. When we get to parents, we've got Danielle and Claudio Reyna. It's just been simply amazing, Anton, and hopefully it'll be out soon. Just talk about that process. Well, honestly, uh, I have to give Haas full credit. Um, He uh, came up with the idea, uh, and I absolutely loved it, and uh, it's been beyond my wildest uh, dream. Uh, because not only have the uh, podcasts been really interesting for me, uh, I think they've been fun for the people that have jumped in. And the other thing it, it sort of forced me to do, and I'm glad it has, is it's forced me to, in effect, reread that book uh, that I wrote with uh, Gloria Averbush. And obviously, uh, we've got uh, some books out there that are very popular. Obviously, uh, Tim Carruthers is the man watching, <clears throat> is, you know, a, a book that, uh, is referenced uh, oftentimes when I'm doing uh, uh, interviews, and I'm certainly very proud of that book. Uh, and then certainly uh, Training Soccer Champions, which not only sells in soccer, but also in all the other sports, uh, uh, certainly volleyball. And it's made uh, even more famous by uh, Pete Carroll, who used it to coach his football team at USC when they won their national championship down there. He brought me in uh, uh, to Seattle. Uh, as a reward for using those principles to coach his team uh, uh, out in Seattle as well in the uh, NFL. And so I've, I'm very proud of all of these books. But I'll tell you this, I really underestimated the value of The Vision of a Champion, which was the book uh, uh, I wrote with uh, Gloria Averbush. And by the way, uh, Training Soccer Champions, uh, the prime mover in that book was Tim Nash, and I want to give him full credit. But I'll tell you, uh, the book I wrote with Gloria, I'm going through it now, and I am really excited about the fact it still has value. Because, of course, I wrote it so long ago, I'm thinking, you know, well, surely most of my opinions have changed, most of my understanding of the game has changed, the way I want to develop my culture has changed. And no, the seeds of my current culture are strewn throughout that book. And obviously the people we're bringing in, and you've been fantastic on this podcast, uh, and the questions that they fielded for us uh, that obviously are the uh, themes and issues and philosophies laced in this book, it's been an incredibly enjoyable experience for me. Well, and I love after each chapter when you talk about the fact that, wow, that still lives true today. There are two chapters I definitely want to focus on today during our visit, and one is a topic that you've covered a lot over the years, and that is parents, good parents raising good kids that can handle coming into the competitive cauldron in the environment of winning ACC titles and national championships. And Danielle Egan played for you. She was marvelous, and she married Claudio Reyna. As you said on the podcast, pretty good breeding, <laughs> indeed. And now Gio Reyna's over there playing in the Bundesliga. That interview was amazing, Anson. Yes, it really was. And uh, here's what I appreciated. And, of course, we didn't, you know, prep them coming in. And we didn't, you know, sort of say, well, you know, we're going to ask about this. How are you going to answer it? Sort of vet them. I mean, as you know, we don't, you know, guide anyone towards 
the answer that we would love to have them share in order to establish a, a certain theme or a credibility, uh, hopefully uh, matching the books. No, we just asked the questions and we let them go. And wow, did I thoroughly enjoy that interview with Danielle and Claudio. And I think there's every parent out there should listen to these two because of the madness that's going on out there within our youth culture, where basically the parents are vicariously living their lives through their children and then as a result putting incredible stress on their kids to be successful in a sport uh, because they feel like they know how to manage and help their kids get to the promised land. And, of course, they don't. And what's going to shock them when they listen to Danielle and Claudio is how laid back they were as soccer parents who both played for national teams. I mean, Claudio had an incredible career uh, in soccer on the national team, but also at a professional level. Danielle also has caps with the U.S. full team, so they both, you know, represented the United States on a full team level. Um, and yet, when you're listening to them, you are shocked at how supportive and loving and laid back they are of their kids saying, you know, well, if you want to do this, fine. If you want to do that, fine. And they're not, you know, wearing out their cell phones trying to find the, uh, the local expert on individual training to take their kid to their potential. And they're having them play multiple sports. I mean, one of my favorite parts of that was to hear, uh, Claudia say, yeah, yeah, he continued to play AAU basketball until he was 14. Why? Because he loved it. And so here we are listening to all these experts telling us that, yeah, the development academy, yep, you can't play high school soccer, you can't play other sports, you've got to be married to this sport, you know, 24-7 as if that's the route to the promised land. And who are the best players of their generations? Well, raised by these two parents that have played at the highest level, yeah, do what you want, have fun, we're going to support you. Yeah, you want to play basketball? By all means, want to play a little soccer, that's fine. And who is that kid? Well, it's Gio Reyna, who's already played in the Champions League as a teenager. Are you kidding me? So, yeah, that was a, that was a wonderful podcast. I loved it. You know, another one that was really off the charts as well was your chapter that talked about moving from high school into college. And make no mistake, if you follow Jessica McDonald's career, she had a rough upbringing, really, really rough. And she's talking about it more. She makes the World Cup team, and then she comes out of her shell, and she comes out of her comfort zone, and she's willing to accept anything. And then she comes on the podcast, and Anson, I think even you, someone who has stayed connected with each and every player, perhaps better than any coach in the country, were blown away about her candidness, her openness on what it meant to be a part of the North Carolina family and what it meant to grow as a person and as a player. It was a revelational podcast. There's absolutely no question. And here's this woman, you know, a single mom trying to raise her kid uh, in this crazy world, especially in light of George Floyd and everything else, you know, what uh, Jessica has to deal with on a regular basis. And then to find out on the podcast, that she has bought a home basically 1.8 miles away from where I live, and she is going to be, and the reason for it is she's going to be sending her son to the same school system that all three of my kids went through, and I absolutely love it. I absolutely love this story that she tells about the fact that, um, 
you know, she was going to, you know, kill herself uh, uh, by doing the right thing for her son. Uh, and the other thing, I mean, my favorite story in there was the story that Kalia Ohai tells me. She calls me up one day, and she's mad as a hornet. And, I, you know, Kalia, what's going on? You know, what are you upset about? And she says, well, you know, I can't believe it. I love playing with Jessica McDonald down here, you know, for the Houston Dash. And all of a sudden, you know, my coach trades her away to the Western New York Flash. We're about to play the Western New York Flash. And the whole pregame, who is my coach talking about? He's talking about stopping Jessica McDonald. Then why did he trade her? And so she's just mad as she can be about the fact that her coach has traded this player. She loved playing with up top to another team, and then spends the whole pregame talking about how to stop Jessica McDonald. So, yeah, these podcasts from me have been so much fun. I'm sure you're also having fun watching the NWSL Challenge Cup, the North Carolina Currys continue to do what they always do, and they win. Sometimes it hasn't been pretty, but a Paul Riley coach team is like an Anson Dorrance coach team. They find a way to win, and it's super exciting. Along the way, we've been doing these on the road, presented by Continental Tire, and while I didn't do the podcast Vision of a Champion with Crystal Dunn, I did interview her. And this has been tough for her, the whole George Floyd thing. I mean, you're talking about a player who was always identified as fast and tough when technically she's arguably one of the best players in the world. She proves that every game with the North Carolina Courage. It's given her a chance to kind of reflect. Sometimes she wants to talk about it. Sometimes she doesn't want to talk about it. But when you think about Black Lives Matter, Crystal Dunn's voice also needs to be heard, right, Anson? Well, there's no question. And she wrote this great uh, uh, post on social media that we took and then sent out to all of our alumni, because uh, obviously some of our alumni are, are, are almost as old as I am. So their ability to connect with social media is a little bit more challenging. So we took her stuff. We loved it. We sent it, we sent it out. And uh, I am just so incredibly proud of Crystal. And what was really cool, I don't know if you've been following this, but the Guardian came out with their annual 100 best players in the world, and three Tar Heels are in the top 25. Crystal Dunn among them, along with Lucy Bronze and Tobin Heath. And I love it. And you're right. The thing I absolutely love about uh, Crystal is her versatility, the fact that she can literally play any position and I'll tell you this, and you're certainly right about what's going on out in Utah. Holy cow, was this a great idea. I am loving this event. I am, I am watching every single game. I've only missed one game. I have watched every single game from beginning to end. And, yes, Paul Riley's team is great. And the nice thing about this format is all the coaches are challenged to use their entire roster. And, of course, I love that because my philosophy has always been, you know, if you recruit a kid player, and I know that everyone uses that against me in recruiting, oh, you go to North Carolina, you're going to be subbed out or you won't play maximum minutes and all this other kind of garbage. And, of course, because we press, we have to substitute because, uh, of course, if you sit and play a line of confrontation at the tangent in the center circle, you know, you're standing around half the game. And that doesn't happen with my kids. So in the course of 60, 70, 80 minutes, my kids are playing a 90-minute game relative to what these other kids are doing, standing around in, you know, lines of bunkers or parking the bus or low lines of confrontation. Uh, and I love what's happening out there right now because every coach now, 
has to have a substitution pattern in order to survive or play different lineups like they do in the EPL when you've got an FA Cup game, a Champions League game, and an EPL game all in the same week. You play your, you know, your, your kids in the uh, FA Cup game. You probably, obviously play your starters in the Champions League game. And then you play your first-line reserves if they have energy left in the EPL game. And so what I love is watching these coaches manage their rosters. And the standard of the game, and you know this because you're watching it as well, Dean, they're incredible. I am thoroughly enjoying this. And you're right about Paul Riley. The guy is a master strategist, a brilliant coach, and his teams because they press. So obviously I'm a huge fan also uh I support teams in the NWSL based on number of Tar Heels on it, and he has more Tar Heels on his team than any other team in the league. And, by the way, all the girls know this. They know I'm rooting for the team with the most Tar Heels on it. They also know that if it's tied, like this team has three and this team has three, I then root for the one that starts the most Tar Heels. So, basically, I've got this whole system of rooting for my kids, and they know this, and they don't hold it against me. And, of course, even if there's only one target on the other team and she happens to be, you know, the center forward, I'm rooting that team, you know, even though they've only got one target playing against three or four, I'm certainly rooting that her team loses, but I want her to uh, lose in a 5-4 game where she scores four goals. So they understand everything I do in terms of sitting at the, you know, here watching TV and supporting them fully. And then, of course, uh, I love texting them after every game and telling them, obviously, how proud I am of them. And it's just so much fun for me, Dean. I am thoroughly enjoying this. Well, that's very fair. And what also is fair, Anton, is you've never been called shy. You've never been afraid to speak your opinion. Obviously, you are a big fan of leadership. you got to give NWSL a ton of credit for their leadership to make this happen, to be safe for also stepping forward right away and all the players wearing the Black Lives Matter T-shirts. You do have some problems with the leadership in Washington, D.C. You've been vocal about that. What would you like to share about that right here on the podcast as we wrap up our time? Well, obviously, I'm, I'm so disappointed in our, our uh, national leadership, uh, but also a shout-out to the, the women that I coach and also the, all the ones that I admire. If you look at the world and you look at the countries that are run by women, those are the countries that are doing the best. I mean, so Germany, you know, New Zealand, you can go through almost every country that's led by a woman, and you can compare those countries led by these extraordinary female leaders and compare them with the, the troglodyte males that are leading in authoritarian fashion across the, the world. And obviously I highlight our own country in Russia and the other sort of dictatorial you know, authoritarian leaders who are invariably male. Uh, and uh, the women are doing such an incredible job demonstrating uh, to the world what will happen if you just put a woman in a leadership position. And obviously uh, what I do for a living is I promote uh, these extraordinary women, and I want them in leadership positions. And all I can say is, you know what, uh, um, let's, uh, let's take a page out of their book. Let's see, you know, what they have in their leadership qualities that are having them separate from the rest of us, and let's celebrate uh, these extraordinary female leaders, and let's use them as a model how, for how the rest of us in my gender should lead properly. 
So there's my brief editorial on that for you, Dean. <laughs> That's perfect. Well, I, I want to end by admitting, as uh, you often admit, Anson, soccer's a small, small world. I broke in with U.S. soccer as an intern while I was still in college. One of my first jobs was to go out to Santa Barbara and spend time with Anson Dorrance and April Heinrichs and Michelle Akers and Karen Jennings and Shannon Higgins and Lori Henry and Mary Harvey and then the youngsters, Mia Hamm and Wendy Gabauer, Carla Oberbach, Julie Foudy, Brandy Chastain. I remember it like it was yesterday. You admitted, which I appreciate that you don't remember me at all, which makes sense. But I remember being in one of those early meetings and you were talking about working so hard that your intestines are going to turn into diamonds. Fast forward, you and I are calling WUSA games. Fast forward, I'm calling your North Carolina games. Fast forward, we're calling NWSL games. Fast forward, we're now doing this podcast together. The point is, it truly is a small, special world, soccer in this country, Anton. No, it really is. And uh, you know what? I appreciate your shout-out to, to the fact that if someone asks me the question, I will answer it. So, yeah, when you asked me, do you remember me, it was just the wrong question for you to ask. Uh, because, uh, you know, I was going to answer that honestly. You should have phrased it a different way so I could have answered that honestly and not humiliated you and whatever the heck we were doing at the time. But uh, you've always been very good-natured about anything I've said, including the day I almost got you fired for you know, some comment I meant, uh, made on the air where they were considering, you know, wiping out the entire uh, uh, team that was working that day. Of course, the difference was I was doing it as a volunteer. This was your life. And so I just want you to know that I'm just so sorry that I put you in jeopardy, and I will try to make sure in the future I'm more careful uh, because you mean a lot to me. You mean a lot to uh, this game and this country, uh, and I always enjoy doing everything that we have done together, and that's the truth. What a great way to kick off the show. The legend that is Anson Doris. Be ready for Vision of the Champion. Anson is also doing it as an audio book. He'll admit that's been exhausting, but I can't wait to hear that as well. The great Anson Doris. Thanks for kicking off the United Soccer Coaches Podcast. I know the association means a lot to you, Anson. Yeah, it does, Dean. So I appreciate uh, you inviting me as your guest, and I appreciate being a part of the launch. Thank you, my friends. Anson Dorrance, always a breath of fresh air, even during tough times. Speaking of tough times, Jason O'Keefe, he put in the work, was a longtime assistant coach at the college level, working, working, working. Finally gets the call to go to App State. In four short years, he has... Two massive years. They beat Coastal Carolina a couple years ago. They went into University of North Carolina Chapel Hill last year and beat the Tar Heels. They had 11-win season. He signs a three-year contract. They got a new field. The pandemic comes in, and lo and behold, he's on vacation at state calls, and they cancel men's soccer. This guy's a big-time coach. He's going to get another opportunity. We need to remember his name. He shares his story, Jason O'Keefe. Being a coach means being a lot of things. Mentor, teacher, role model, motivator, leader, organizer. Of course, it's not easy to be all of those things. You need help, and who better to help you than an association of fellow coaches. Membership with United Soccer Coaches includes access to over $500 worth of e-learning courses, an improved online resource library with more than 1,000 activities, session plans and articles, $1 million worth of liability insurance, and a whole lot more. Visit unitedsoccercoaches.org slash join and start your free 30-day introductory membership today. 
United Soccer Coaches, your association for all things coaching. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast, presented by Team Snap. Great to kick off the show with Anson Dorrance, the legend that is working on the vision of a champion podcast with him. It has been such a treat. We've got an interview coming up with Tobin Heath. When you think about North Carolina, it's hard not to think about the fact that at State Men's Soccer, led by Jason O'Keefe, who was an assistant coach there, walked into Chapel Hill last year and beat the North Carolina Tar Heels, giving him two top 20 wins in two years. He was only there five years, then got the horrendous news that absolutely was dropping their soccer program, and he tied it up to come on and talk about it. Also, this recording was on Tuesday, Jason O'Keefe Keith's birthday as he turns 30. A little fun there with you. <laughs> but first off, happy birthday to you, Jason. Before we get started, happy birthday. Thanks a lot, Dean. I appreciate uh, you having me on and having, having the birthday wishes prepared. Well, listen, we've all been thinking about you. You know that all of the soccer coaching fraternity, I feel like I'm part of it because I have a front row seat for a lot of great college soccer games. We love and respect the work you've done. In five short years there, you put App State really on the map. Then you get the terrible news. Get us up to date on how you're dealing with it, Jason, and please know that we're thinking about you daily. Yeah, no, that's, you know, it's a big part of why I'm here today, you know, the soccer community and the fraternity that we have, whether, you know, trainers, announcers, you know, um, assistant coaches, head coaches, like, it's been a, it's really been amazing the the support that has been shown and really it's just it's been inspirational to, to try and you know keep going um, and then you know the players you know you're not sure how much the players are picking up uh, when you're putting things down for them but you know how they've responded because you know we talk about dealing with adversity you know certainly within a game a season a, a semester. Um, but really just how, how it translates to life and really the life lessons that they're learning throughout their college days. Um, to see these guys, you know, really they picked myself up for sure and our staff of many times along the last six, seven weeks. Just with their approach and their attitude and, you know, just how they've handled themselves um, really was you know, motivating and, and gratifying, you know, because that's that's what we do. We're all trying to win games and championships, but, you know, we're all in the pursuit of helping these young men navigate probably the best four years of their life, but, you know, some distractions out there, some slippery times, and, and certainly, you know, without people like Steve Allison when I was in college um, helping me navigate a few of my slippery moments, you know, it's, it's what we do and we try and look back and, you know, I've heard from even players I coached at other places five, ten years ago that, you know, they're reaching out, checking in, you know, it's just, it, it, it's really gratifying, like I said. You mentioned slippery moments, and I even feel bad for bringing it up again, but it's the first time I've been able to get you scheduled on the show. I mean, what you did at App State, growing that program in such a short time, you just put in a brand new field, you just signed a three-year contract, just take us back to the day when they told you they were canceling the program because I get the feeling that it kind of caught you and everybody off guard. Yeah. yeah I was on vacation. Um, so we, we've been having Tuesday, Friday, head coach and admin Zoom calls at one thirty. I just got a text from my SWA at 11.47 saying, hey, you know, AD wants to get on a call at 12.30. I said, okay, no problem. 
then five minutes later, I thought, oh, oh, we still have any other call, and didn't get a response, and I got up to the condo, got my computer on, you know, um, texted again, hey, any idea what this is about, didn't hear anything back, and then, you know, within about two seconds of getting on the call and seeing everybody's face, you knew it wasn't good, um, and then it was pretty much just business 101, you know, this is this is what we've had to do, this is what the plan is, um, and that was it, and then it was, you know, about 50 minutes later where we were on a Zoom call, you know, trying to get, you know, not only our current guys, but our five incoming guys, and then we actually had nine guys committed for the for 2021, trying to get as many of them on, on one Zoom call as we could before the word got out and somebody didn't hear it, you know, from us. So, you know, it was, it was a pretty nerve-wracking, emotional roller coaster of a day, and, you know, it just kind of continued on. Um, the last month or so has been a nice distraction trying to, to make sure that all these guys get sorted. Um, and then, you know, that's, that's coming, to a, coming to an end here of recent days where, you know, thank God most of our guys are getting sorted and settled and reality is now starting to pound down on your head a little bit. And it doesn't feel good, obviously. Um, but, yeah, it's just, you know, at a place like App, you know, or mid-major school, you know, with Title Nine and, you know, just wear men's Olympic sports, I think there was always a, in the back of my head, kind of, wow, I'm, I'm in that, you know, that unsafe zone, if you will. Um, and, you know, people would ask and, you know, my wife would ask and, you know, we just kind of thought, well, you know, we just had 11 wins for the first time in 20 years. You know, we were the number one men's GPA on campus you know, for, I don't know, fourth or fifth time since I've been here. You know, we were uh, fifth in the department, 1,000 APR. Uh, community service, we were four in the country by Helper Helper last year, 11 this year. Like, just all the core values that everything, you know, that a university would want one of their programs to be exhibiting, we were doing. So I thought, yeah, I think that, that could, you know, the, the trump card in the end, and then at the end of the day, it didn't really matter. You know, it just we we were the we were the one on the block, and so it happened. Can you share with us the support you're getting from your own family, not the App State family, not the soccer family, but your own family, Jason? Yeah, I mean, it's family first, and you know, my family extends. You know, just from from my wife, my son to you know, in-laws to parents, you know, to cousins, um, relatives, they, they're all have been there and, and supporting and, you know, sometimes I think they all have talked and have a checklist of, you know, who's checked in with Jason today um, because they're just, you know, they're there, they're present, um, which is what gets, gets you through any, any tough moment or any tough time in your life. You know, several people, including a couple family members that Sent over the quote, tough, tough times don't last, last, tough people do. You know, certainly something that we're trying to, to be about, you know. You know, we recorded this on Tuesday. We're expecting an announcement this week that Ivy League is going to cancel all fall sports, so there'll be more soccer not being played. And who knows if there'll be any soccer at all, as it seems like there's a surge in COVID-19. 
irrespective of that, at some point we're going to get through this. At some point, an AD is going to rise up and say, hey, I need a new coach. Tell me that that's what you want to do, that you want to get back out there as a head coach because make no mistake, Jason O'Keefe, you proved that you are a very, very good head coach. Yeah, thank you, Dean. Um, yeah, that's the hope, right, that we, uh, you know, we get through this fall, um, you know, with whatever it looks like. Um, like you said, uh, there's going to be more announcements. Um, obviously, you know, I've been having conversations with a lot of friends and colleagues over the last couple of weeks, months, prior to, uh, you know, us being cut. And, you know, now it's like when we talk to them, it was just kind of hearsay. Now one of us on the phone doesn't have a program or a job. So, you know, it, it certainly is hitting home and being more become more reality. But, yeah, I mean, obviously that's the hope is that, you know, someday out there in the near future, um, you know, that there's an AD looking for a head men's soccer coach and, and I can be fortunate enough to speak with him and talk to him about my vision and, you know, kind of how we did things at App and how we, we turned things around and, you know, just the other places I've been, which I've been very blessed to be. I've worked with some of the best people in the game and, and at some of the best places and learned an unbelievable amount, which, you know, you can't just translate what we did at Wake to App or Carolina or St. Louis or Elon. Like, you've got to pick and choose your certain things. But certainly, you know, while I was crafting for 17 years as an assistant, taking notes on everybody I worked with and all the things that I thought, man, these guys have it going on, and I'm going to do some of that. Um, so, yeah, I would love to be able to have that opportunity, you know, and that's kind of, you know, you hear from a lot of people and they say, oh, you're too good a person, you're, you're too good a coach, or, you know, you've done too good a job. But right now, I mean, the only thing that's certain in this world is uncertainty, you know, and, and certainly I would like to believe that, but you know, until that opportunity comes, I just, you know, it's hard to envision right now, but I certainly want to get back to, you know, running my own program and, and you know, helping develop young men, educate them, and, and compete for championships. So, uh, yeah, that's that's number one. At some point, that, that'll come to fruition, I hope. Well, I say it all the time on this program, good things happen to good people, and I know that's very simplistic, but it's true, so that means, it's definitely going to happen to you. Our final 30 seconds, Jason, knowing everything you've gone through, knowing everything our country's gone through, the pandemic, the social injustice, you helping your players find new spots. Any words of encouragement for, for all of us? Yeah, just, you know, keep trying to do the right things. You know, there's always the right time to do the right thing. Um, sometimes it's not pleasant. Sometimes it's not received well. But at the end of the day, if it's the right thing to do, then, you know, there's no time in the present. You know, I think, you know, in our game, we're very blessed. You know, it's a very amicable community. People support one another. They help one another. They, You know, we compete. We compete, no doubt, recruiting, games. Um, but we're, you know, it's a very a unique coaching body where, you know, we've, we've all been through tough times and, and everybody's been there to support one another. So just keep doing that. Um, and hopefully brighter days are ahead for, you know, men's college soccer, our country, and this, this world. Well, let me just say, the United Soccer Coaches, they are here for you. Dean Linky, which doesn't mean a whole lot, but I'm here for you. Uh, the entire coaching family is here for you, Jason. And thanks so much for sharing 
some time with us on the United Soccer Coaches Podcast. Really do appreciate it. Yeah, thanks a lot for having me on, Dean. Anytime, brother. It's always a pleasure to catch up with you. What a good man, and he was kind enough when we got off the air to share how much he learned from Anson Dorrance during his time as an assistant at the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill. That's where I got to know him the best as well, and so impressed with what he did at App State. I am still in shock that there's no App State program. you got to remember Hank Stein Brescher was a coach at App State. Chad Hawley with the Big Ten Conference played at App State. There's a lot of tradition there, and Jason O'Keefe had that program headed in the right direction. This pandemic has been devastating in so many ways. The bright light, of course, is our 30 Under 30 program. We get back to meeting two more members of our 30 Under 30 class, and we do that after this message. Looking for ways to improve your training sessions? Quick Goal has supplied the highest quality soccer goals, seating, field, and training equipment for over 30 years. From backyards to the world's greatest pitches, Quick Goal has products essential for every level of the game. As an official partner to the United Soccer Coaches and technical partner to U.S. Soccer, Quick Goal knows what equipment you need to take your game to the next level. Visit quickgoal.com to satisfy all your equipment needs. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast presented by Team Snap. I'm Dean Linky. If you listen to the podcast, you know I love college soccer. been calling college soccer for 25 years. Was the voice of the NSCA game on Fox Soccer for years, including several visits to Hamilton, New York, beautiful part of the world, and Colgate. And we are pleased to be joined by a 30 under 30 member, but also the head coach, at Colgate, Lindsay Hokinson. And, Lindsay, first of all, did I say your last name right? You did. You did. You nailed it. The Swedish intonation and everything. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're super kind. And uh, I know our paths has crossed before because you had a great run at Georgetown. But, first of all, congratulations on getting this job at such a young age and at such a great university. How excited are you, assuming we can get this COVID stuff out of the way, to actually be the head coach at Colgate. It's funny you say that. I was I was joking with Dave the other day. You know, I said, why didn't you just let me stick around for another year so that I could have weathered this storm as an assistant? Because this sure is a, an interesting time to be a first-time head coach. But I'll tell you what, I am so immensely grateful to be at a place like Colgate. It is, like you said, a beautiful part of the world. It's an exceptional academic institution. And it's a program, as you well know, that is historically and traditionally Excellent. So I feel immensely blessed to to be, obviously, like you said, at my age, at a place such as this with the opportunity ahead that we have. Well, it's great, Lindsay, that you already mentioned the name Dave, Dave Nolan, longtime friend of the program, such a great guy. Just talk about what he taught you, what kind of mentor he was. Yeah, I, I was lucky that Dave took a chance on me when I was really young. Sucked me from from a Division two job I was at down in South Georgia and brought me back up to where I'm from um, in the D.C. area. And, and, and with each year, each month that passed, continued to have more and more faith in me and, and belief in what I could bring to the program and, and um, invested in my process and in my growth. And I learned a lot from watching. I learned a lot from doing. And I learned a lot laughing because, you know, Dave, he's a really awesome guy to be around in terms of never making things too serious. And my timing was great there. We had an, a really amazing five years. And um, I'm immensely grateful to him for, like I said, taking a chance on me and letting me be a part of building, um, well, 
for him, it was a it was a culmination of a long time of building something great, and I got to be witness to sort of the the climax of it, and it was really tremendous. I had the opportunity to coach a lot of really amazing young women and worked alongside of, uh, of a great boss and under the tutelage of a really phenomenal administration who loves soccer, and it has paid off at that institution. Yeah, you think about it, because of Dave and you and then Brian Weiss over on the men's side, it used to be you think of Georgetown, you think of Patrick Ewing and, and John Thompson, but now you think soccer, really. I mean, the Georgetown women's soccer program is a top ten, it's not a top five program. Yeah, and it's funny you say that. Dave always felt that way, that he was up in the ranks with Patrick Ewing, so I don't think he would be. Um, surprised to say his name exists there now, but yeah, definitely it was um, it was fun to watch. Uh, obviously, like I said, all of the seeds that he had sowed over the years with such incredible players that preceded my time there, we got to sort of bear witness to the fruit of all that labor. And it, it was an amazing place. It is an amazing place, and, and I feel fortunate to have had my time there. And I'm hoping to take what I learned and apply it um, here at Colgate with a similar type of student athlete who is looking for that rigor academic experience and it was it was awesome it was an awesome time with awesome kids and great experiences that I'll forever be thankful for before your time at Georgetown it was another George where you played an outstanding goalkeeper three you starter at George Mason you graduated summa cum laude which you can tell just by listening to her super smart bachelor of arts in communication you garnered all Atlantic 10 second team and all academic honors as well during your time at George Mason. Take us back to those days at George Mason. What made that place special for you? I thought I knew what I wanted to do pretty clearly from like the age of 12. I was I was gung-ho I was going to be on SportsCenter or bus. So when I was looking at college, I was looking for a communications program that I felt like would give me the opportunity to be successful um, in that career field. So I was looking at a lot of schools that were near big cities. What I really liked about Mason was the opportunity to be near a city without being in a city. Again, to be at a program that a lot of people don't know that won a national championship back in the day. They beat UNC back in 85. And I felt like I could go there and, and make a difference on the field and off the field. And um, it provided me an experience in a place that was so diverse. I got to learn so much more about the world just by being around classmates who were from all sorts of necks of life, and it was a great experience. And like you said, when I had the chance to come to the other George down the road, I was happy to be back in the area because it is such a, a rich place for culture and life. And so I tell everyone all the time my Mason experience was, was tremendous. And I'm, I'm a better coach than I was a player, and I coach better players than I ever was, but I carved out a place to, to be successful there, and, and I enjoyed uh, I enjoyed my time there very much. Lindsay, I'm a big fan of people that put their money where their mouth is and they say as they do, do as they say. I'm proud to say that I've been an advocate for women's sports for a long time, especially women's soccer, original voice of the courage. And when I look at your background, knowing that you were selected to the 2018-19 We Coach Coaches Council, and you also won a prestigious award for your work, We Coach, strategically serving women coaches from all sports and levels, that's got to mean something to you, and tell us about that award. It really does. I've been super fortunate to have – a lot of great female coaches. Diane Drake was my, my college coach. I had a great female assistant while I was at Mason. My club coach was female. My first boss as a high school assistant was a female. My first boss in college coaching was a female. And so I have seen strong women leaders, particularly in our game. And for me, it's always been a, an important point is to ensure that that persists. And 
WeCoach has given me the opportunity to not just get to improve myself and become a better coach in the game, but also to meet women across all sorts of sports and be able to provide support and advocacy to promote, retain, and support one another in, in the profession because it can be challenging. And I am a testament to the power of strong female leadership. And I think that continuing to learn and grow and improve and bring others along with us and tap them on the shoulder, I think is super important. And so the work that we coach does was an easy fit for me from an organizational standpoint of someone that I wanted to invest in and spend time trying to do more for our, not just our sport, but for women in sport. Well, you mentioned women in sport. One of the things I love about Colgate is they've now had back-to-back high-powered women as their athletic directors. Now you work for Dr. Nikki Moore. Based on everything you just told me, i got to believe that was important to you as well. Yeah. The fortune of being at a place like Georgetown and having the success that we did is that we had people knocking on our door for job opportunities. And for me, the most important thing was finding a place that I felt like the administration not only believed in me, but was going to have my back and who was going to push and challenge me and support me to be come who I felt like I could become and hopefully exceed that. And from the moment I sat in Nikki's office and had a chance to to speak with her, there was an authentic, meaningful relationship from the from the get-go. And much like you said, she's someone who talks the talk and walks the walk. And I just appreciated so much her vision for Colgate and the athletics department for my program. It's been Phenomenal being through this period of time, the turbulence of COVID, transcending into the Black Lives Matter movement, and it's been really phenomenal to see what good leadership looks like through these times in a college athletics department, and I feel so lucky to, to watch someone like Nikki work day in and day out to, to do right by our athletes, to do right by our coaches, and do right by our institution. So well-spoken. Usually that is grounded by the house that you grew up in. Just tell us a little bit about your family and maybe some other mentors along the way before you got to Mr. Nolan and the others. <laughs> yeah, so um, lucky to have grown up with a family, actually, of parents who weren't overly ambitious about athletics. They sort of just supported myself and, and my siblings and our ambitions. And so big fans without really interjecting themselves in the process. And I think that, to me, has benefited me along the way of I, I tell everyone all the time, I remember I remember having to call my teammates on my home phone to get rides to practice because my parents instilled in me if it mattered enough, I'd find a way. And I think that's kind of been what I've, what I've leaned on as I've gone through both my playing and coaching career um, is I continue to, to allow my love of the game to guide my process. And um, I think that keeps my intentions clear, and I thank my parents for their leadership in that. And, and again, through the college recruiting process of, of giving me the autonomy to find the place that was right for me and stepping aside and allowing me to take ownership in that process and supporting my decision no matter where I ended up because I know they both had other favorites. <laughs> and nonetheless, they knew what, when I decided where I was going to be, they were going to 
buy as much George Mason gear as they could, and they've done the same with every place I've been, and so I'm, I'm really grateful to their support through the process. It's funny, you know, like, there's always that moment for all of us that go into coaching where you kind of, like, break the news to your parents that that's the profession you're, you want to pursue, and it's a nerve-wracking moment, you know, because sometimes there's this perception that it's not a real job, and uh, and I feel lucky that my parents have said, um, have continued to watch me follow my dreams and are sad that I'll be leaving the DMV area, but know that the drive from, from D.C. to Hamilton is a, is a quick six hours. But I, I, like I said, I've been really lucky to have such phenomenal mentorship from my club career on. I still remain in close contact with my college coach and with Dave and, and with any of the mentors that I've had through the process. And I just, I've always had really great people in my corner, and I just feel so tremendously thankful for that. One of my mentors who saw in me before a lot of other people did is actually um, Greg Andrewis, who was the men's coach at Mason at the time, a longtime coach there, and has had great success throughout the world. And he sort of identified in me that spark for coaching, and I, I attribute sort of my that tough decision to say, okay, I'm going to pursue this thing that I'm actually pretty good at to him and him believing in me and continuing to believe in me to this day. He's always my biggest fan. I'm so thankful for all that I've learned from him and taken from him and, and his continued promotion of me through the game and through this profession. So I make sure I, I had a shout-out to him because I definitely don't thank him enough for all that he's given me. Big fan of Greg and Drula, so I always have time for that for sure, Lindsay. And if I heard you correctly, it sounds like before you decided that you're all in as a coach, you were thinking about maybe being a Linda Cohn or Hannah Storm or something like that? Yeah, I, I love sports. I love soccer. But I thought, you know, there's plenty of women on the sidelines, but there need to be more women in the booth. And I was thinking football or bust. <laughs> but, but yes, that was that was the trajectory I was on for sure. And um, it's still a fallback plan, I'll say, probably. Well, you certainly sound like you've got the chops to do it. Finally, as we wrap it up, what does it mean to be part of this 30 under 30 and be affiliated with United Soccer Coaches? Yeah, it's pretty cool, Dean. As a, as a, someone who's been in the game my whole life, I've been to conventions at every in every capacity, from a demo player, a high school All-American, going as a coach to go sit with our college All-Americans and scholar All-Americans, and then just I got to go as a, as a presenter, and now to get to be a part of it from the 30 under 30 program. This, this organization is, is truly unlike anything in the world, and I think as soccer coaches, we sort of have that piece to brag about when I speak with other coaches in other sports. They don't have anything quite like it in regards to a network of people who are also invested in the game at every level. And the convention is a special place to get to share those ideas. But outside of that, again, you know, through this time of such strange and crazy things, it has been really cool to have United Soccer Coaches continuing to support us coaches through these times. And, and this 30 and 30 program is such an honor. You know, I've been... <laughs> been applying for for years probably since I was like 20 and so I thought maybe before I'm 30 I might I might qualify and uh, I feel really fortunate that you know this was the year that it happened in the year that I transitioned to being a head coach the support has been amazing and the organization as a whole is just a really great structure for all of us coaches who are aspiring to continue to grow in the game. Well, Lindsay, we wish you all the best. Hopefully that uh, we'll get clearance and get back out on the soccer field, and we wish you all the best as the head coach for the Colgate women's soccer team. And make no mistake, I'll go ahead and say it for the record, as funny as Dave Nolan is, you crushed him as far as your interview ability. So make sure you let him know that, okay? 
<laughs> There'll definitely be a lot less editing of mine, I have to think, in regards to the, the rating. So I appreciate that. I'll make sure I hold that over him. All right. Lindsay Elkinson, the head coach at Colgate and part of our impressive 30 under 30 class. All the best, Lindsay. Thank you so much, Dean. Lindsay's great. Wouldn't be surprised if she is calling a football game someday when she's done coaching. Big-time personality. She's going to do great at Colgate. One more 30 under 30 to meet Duncan Gillis when we return. Team Snap's awesome. I have five teams on Team Snap. There are no questions asked by the players, the parents. Very easy to use. Very, very, very easy. Simple to use. Everyone, you know, everything's right there. Messages, availability, boom, boom, boom. I've looked at other at other things, and I think Team Snap sets the bar for this type of team management software. It's the best that I found. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast as we meet another outstanding member of the current United Soccer Coaches 30 under 30 class, and it's another young man who's been a head coach at a university for four years already. Hard to believe the success of these amazing people. Duncan Gillis, another one of these amazing people I'm talking about. He's the top man at Beloit College, which is in Wisconsin, the Buccaneer men's soccer team. It's where he played. And now he'll enter his fourth season as the top man, the head coach. Duncan, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me, Dean. So I know that uh, you grew up in Salt Lake City, Utah. So how did you end up with the Buccaneers at Beloit, first as a player and then as a coach? It's a question that I get somewhat frequently. How did you kind of make your way from Salt Lake City, Utah to Wisconsin? I had a family connection to the Midwest originally. Both my, my grandparents on my mom's side were born and raised in Milwaukee. Now I grew up there, and my aunt actually attended Beloit, so it was kind of already in the family. And then I had an older brother who was uh, going through the college search process two years before me, looked at a lot of liberal arts schools across the country. Beloit was one that uh, he almost ended up going to. You know, really liked the school, really liked the coach. He ended up going to Claremont McKenna out in Southern California, but Beloit was kind of really on my radar after the positive experience my brother had when he was looking at the school, and then I came out here, met with the coach, met with the guys, some professors, and it felt like home right away. So remind us, Beloit College, where is it in Wisconsin? What division is it? And Wisconsin's a great state, by the way. It's a little hidden gem. Yeah, yeah, I love living out here. So Beloit uh, is Division three school, and in terms of kind of where we're located, we're about as far south as you can get in Wisconsin, uh, pretty much right on the border with Illinois. I can walk five minutes from campus and be in Illinois. So we're about an hour and change from both Madison and uh, Milwaukee, and then not too far from Chicago as well, about an hour and a half northwest of Chicago. Seems like a pretty good location. I spent a lot of time in Madison with Big Ten Network. I was just at Devil's Lake last year for the Big Ten Rolling Championships. I mean, there's some beauty in Wisconsin, much like Michigan, right? Some great spots. Yeah, no, it's, it's a great place. Uh, funny you mentioned Devil's Lake. I was actually planning on, on taking a little day trip up to, to Devil's Lake this past Saturday, uh, but the weather was, was not so great, so I decided to uh, postpone that for a couple days at least. All right, well, you've already had a great career, and you're still a youngster, but 
What made you want to apply for this 30 under 30 class, Duncan? It was a really exciting opportunity. I had spoken to a couple coaches that I knew who had been through the program in previous years. For me, you know, the things that stood out about the program the most that made me want to be a part of it, the education opportunities, you know, both getting to work with a mentor coach throughout the year, the ability to attend a convention, which always is a great learning opportunity, and the ability to take my premier diploma course. You know, those three things kind of really stood out as, as just amazing opportunities to me. I have not yet taken that premier diploma course yet. It uh, was going to be this summer, but it's looking like probably going to um, you know, be postponed maybe till the winter. But really, really enjoyed you know meeting the other members of the class at the convention, um, some other great people there. And then I've really enjoyed uh, getting to know and working with my mentor coach, Bud Lewis, as well. Okay, yeah, so tell us more about your mentor coach. Yeah, so Bud coached at Wilmington, another D3 in Ohio, for over 40 years, and he's been a phenomenal resource for me just to bounce ideas off of, kind of pick his brain about, you know, everything from tactics to, you know, different training session ideas to, you know, working kind of with leadership ideas that he's done with his team and how I want to shape things with my team. I got to spend a good amount of time with him actually at the convention, you know, so we spend a lot of time on the phone, obviously, but uh, getting a chance to sit down in person on a couple different occasions in Baltimore at the convention in January was uh, was great as well. Speaking of great mentors, your story is awesome, Duncan Gillis, because you were a second team all Midwest midfielder in your senior year with the Buccaneers, and a big influence in your life was your head coach. He gets promoted, and he calls on you. Tell us his name and break down that story. Yeah, of course. Uh, like you said, another great mentor for me, Tim Schmeekin, coached uh, the men's soccer team here at Beloit for, I want to say, 26 seasons. Uh, you know, So he coached me for all four years, and when I first came back to Beloit, it was as his assistant coach for a couple years before he became the athletic director and, and asked me if I wanted to take over the program. And, you know, he is very much one of the people who made me want to continue to have a career in coaching because he had such a positive impact on me and, and all the guys who, who played for him. You know, something that I always appreciated about Tim was you always knew that he was in your corner. He definitely made me a better soccer player, but I think I also grew a lot as a person, getting a lot of perspective on, on things outside of soccer from working with and getting to know him as well. So. Very, very fortunate, I think, to both have played for him and to been able to work with him both as an assistant and then with him as our athletic director. Let's go down memory lane and learn how you were grounded. You grew up in Salt Lake City, Utah. Tell us about your family, maybe what your mom and dad did, brothers and sisters, maybe what club you played for as a youth. Uh, Walk us down memory lane if you can. Certainly. So, you know, both family uh, and and some coaches that I had in Salt Lake are, you know, kind of some of the other people who had the biggest influence on, on me getting to, to where I am today. So playing for Tim was great, but I also definitely have to give a shout-out to Rom Jackson, who coached me playing club soccer for Impact United Soccer Club growing up in Salt Lake. Another person who, from when I was a U11 player on his Impact team, uh, just made a you know, a tremendous impact on me. Someone who I still get together with, you know, I visit Salt Lake every uh, every year around the holidays and still get together with all the guys from our old club team uh, to play some indoor. And Rom uh, still comes out and plays with us. And he's still quite a player, too. He'll definitely uh, more than hold his own with us when we get together and play. Another person who, who really... You know, it was a tremendous role model for me. And, yeah, you know, can't thank my, my family enough either for uh, kind of how they've shaped, you know, my journey here. Today's actually my – I have one older brother. Today's actually his birthday. And, you know, he's someone who 
has just inspired me in so many ways. You know, I grew up playing soccer with him, spent countless hours in the front yard playing 1v1 or going to the field, and, you know, one of us would be hitting crosses, one of us would be finishing. So he definitely pushed me a lot, consistently made me a better player. Parents as well. You know, my mom uh, didn't have a background in soccer, you know, didn't really play or anything, but she uh, was tremendous in, in supporting me, you know, driving me all over uh, Salt Lake Valley to games and everything. My dad did do some coaching and, and coached me for a bit when I was a younger player as well, and, you know, I still just love talking soccer with him, both about my own team, but, you know, talking Premier League as well. And during those trips when I go back to Salt Lake for, for the holidays, one of my favorite things is just having some uh, Premier League weekends uh, with my dad, watching soccer all day. Since you went down memory lane, I'm going to put a little pressure on you and ask you to pick two of your best memories. Your best memory as a player any level, maybe at Beloit, maybe as a youth player, I don't know, and your best memory as a coach so far. If you had to pick one, I know you got a lot of them. Your best memory as a coach, Duncan Gillis. Ooh, yeah, a lot, to, a lot to pick from. As a player, the one that I'm going to have to single out is, let's see, this would have been my sophomore year at Beloit. We had a, a very good team. I was really fortunate to play with some very good players here. And we had lost to Lawrence University and near the end of the regular season. We lost 1-0. Their goal came in overtime on a penalty in overtime that, uh, at least coming from my perspective, was maybe a bit of a questionable call. So it definitely kind of left a sour taste in our mouth. We won the next game uh, to solidify uh, qualifying for the conference tournament. And uh, we were the three seed, and the two seed that we were playing was Lawrence. So feeling like we had a shot at redemption, and we were able to put together a much, much better performance that day and ended up uh, beating them 4-0. So, you know, to, to not only advance to the, the conference tournament finals, uh, but feel like we got a little bit of revenge there, definitely one of the best memories that I had with, uh, with the guys here at Beloit. As far as from a coaching side, one of them actually probably comes from this year, we were down at Grinnell College in Iowa for an away game. I think it was just our, our third or fourth conference game of the year. Grinnell's the, the farthest school away in our conference. We drove down Friday night playing Saturday morning. Woke up to just some outrageous thunderstorms, so the game kept getting delayed, you know, pushed back an hour, pushed back two hours. We weren't 100% sure if we were going to be able to play the game. And Grinnell's been a bit of a bogey team for us in the past couple of years. You know, they had had our number for a couple of years in a row. And we were able to get the game in. Storm subsided, field drained, um, and we were able to play and just couldn't have asked for a better performance from my guys. And we ended up getting the win 2-0, you know, scored in about the 30th minute, played very, very well defensively for a long time, and then got the second uh, on the counterattack with, I think, about six minutes remaining. And, again, it was just a phenomenal performance from our guys. You know, I could single out, uh, you know, five or six different guys who probably had the game of, uh, of their season. Uh, and I was really impressed with their ability to, you know, stay focused, stay sharp, given that, you know, hey, we had stayed in the hotel last night. We thought we were going to play at 1.30. Didn't end up kicking off until much, much later in the day with the rain delay. So I thought it was just a, a great performance from our guys. Finally, as we close it out during these unprecedented times, the times of pandemic, the times of social injustice, as the leader and influencer of young men, what is your message to not only your players but to all the young people out there that look up to someone like you, a head coach for a men's college soccer program? Yeah, well, you know, heading into this, this spring and, and summer as, uh, as the whole pandemic started, you know, one of my biggest messages to uh, our team was that, you know, the biggest thing that I want from them over the summer 
is to stay connected. Obviously, we've got summer workouts. Uh, we've got a technical program. We've got kind of soccer-related things that the guys are doing. But the, the biggest thing that I wanted from them was just to make sure that as a team they're staying connected because we got cut short. We weren't able to have spring practices. And I just think that their ability to, you know, stay connected to, the, you know, yes, continue to motivate each other, but also just make sure that they're continuing to build that team culture. You know, I was very pleased this year with how our guys stuck together throughout the season and, and how, you know, our upperclassmen supported our younger guys, for example. So that was kind of my biggest message was making sure that they were, you know, hey, continuing to check in on each other and make sure the guys are doing well and that they're still staying very tight-knit as a group. And I've been very pleased. You know, we, we've got some great leaders. We've got some great upperclassmen on the team who, who have been doing that, which has been phenomenal. You know, because I think that sport does have a, a tremendous ability uh, to bring guys together. So when we are in some troubling times, you know, hopefully our players can, can take, uh, you know, a little bit of solace and just thinking, hey, I'm going to go, you know, work my butt off at the field for an hour because I want to keep working hard for, you know, these, these 26 other guys who, who are my brothers. Enjoyed my time with you, Duncan. Good luck. Hopefully we're all back on the soccer field or for me back in the broadcast booth calling the game that we love. Appreciate you and appreciate you being part of the 30 under 30 class. Yeah, of course. My pleasure. Thanks for having me, Dean. I want to thank Duncan and all of our guests today. I also want to thank Sean Chevrolet and Mike Knipper with United Soccer Coaches for each and every one of them. I'm Dean Linky. Stay safe, everybody.